Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast presented by Grampians Community Health. My name is Gareth Oliver. Hope you've all been well. Hope this uh, crazy, hectic time of year that is December isn't causing you too much stress. This week on the show, I'm speaking to Nicole Palmer. Nicole is a recovered ice addict, and she's on the show today to talk about her struggles with her ice addiction, what she went through, and what she's now doing to try and help others in the community. So Nicole has started or is starting a support service for people who have struggled or are struggling with ice addiction and their families. It's called the Raywheel Project. So in this episode, as I mentioned, we talked to Nicole about her issues with her drug use over the years, what it took for her to come clean and what she wants to achieve for the Raywheel Project and for people in our region who are struggling with addiction to methamphetamine. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was a really interesting one to do and it was great to sit down and I'd like to thank Nicole, of course, for being so open and honest about her past uh, and how she can use that to help people with their futures. So here it is, my chat with Nicole Palmer on the Community is a Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grandpins Community Health, for you, your family and our community. I'm here with Nicole Palmer, who is the founder of the Ray Will Project Incorporated. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for giving us some time today. You're welcome. First of all, before we, we get into a bit about your story and a bit about your, your background, can you tell us just a little bit of a nutshell about what the Ray Will Project actually is, what your goal is for it? Yep. So it's going to be a program where we're going to help people who are methamphetamine users quit or people who might be using intravenously um, as well and any any kind of drug with that. they If they're trying to quit or reduce usage, I'd like to have an open day program for them. So it's not a traditional rehab centre. It's an open day place where they can come during the day, do activities, um, meet up for support, and then go home at the end of the day back to their family so that the skills that they're learning, they're learning in their real life. Um, it's not like a traditional rehab centre at all. It's a bit like the Power New Project in Geelong. That's basically it in a nutshell what I'm planning to do. So we're going to offer um, activities and group meetings or individual meetings. It depends on if the person likes group activities or not. We're going to offer them a link with the DNO services at Grampians Community Health. Um, I've already spoken to them and they're happy to help with the nursing side of it, like the medical side of it. So that's what I'm planning to do. So, Nicole, where, where does this desire to help people come from? And I actually think it's, it's really admirable that you, you want to help people you know, dealing with meth problems. Can you give us a little bit about, about yourself and about your background? Now, you have had some substance abuse issues in the past. Can you give yes. us a bit of background about, about that, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, Ten years ago, I was addicted to ice. I used it intravenously. And yeah, I was going down a really bad path. Um, I've held other people's arms as a tourniquet to help them shoot up. I've nearly killed someone by giving them too much. 
than like more than what they would normally have. I've nearly killed myself. So, um, yeah, it was a dangerous path that I was down and I was able to get out of it and quit and, yeah, try to live a bit more of a happier life and a healthier life. What what drove you down to, to try it in the first place? I imagine it'd be highly addictive once you, you do try it. So how did you sort of get involved in that world in the first place? I really think that it was a number of things. I was alone. I had left my child's partner at the time and, um, you know, so I was alone on my own as a single mum and I didn't have many friends and I had been disfellowshipped from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so, again, that was sort of a big thing that made me vulnerable, I guess. And, um, yeah, I've had other issues in the past. Um, I nearly got addicted to speed when I was 17, um, but then I got work on a boat so you can't really <laughs> get any speed when you're on a boat. So, yeah, I think it was natural for me to to try it when I was offered it. And as you said, it is very addictive. Um, I've never had anything more addictive than that, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, you know, even though it is really, really addictive, it is possible to quit. And I'm not the only person who has quit. There are other people as well who have quit in, in Geelong and in Ararat. So, yeah, it might be really addictive, but it's still possible. And your story as well, you know, you, you talk about you were basically vulnerable, you were, you were lonely, you are on your own. I'm sure that that's a common thread for a lot of people who go down this path. Yeah, I'd imagine it would be, yeah. How did you end up, you know, getting, getting yourself off this, you know, horrible substance? Deciding that I wanted to quit, that that's a big one. You know, you have to really recognise, oh, I've got a problem and, I really need to do something about this. I can't keep living like this. But also having someone believe in me and support me. So my grandmother, she was someone I could go to and say, look, I'm having a craving. Um, and it's really important to be able to speak about when you have cravings because it puts the power back in your hands. It gives you back that power. So, and she believed in me. And I think it's really important to have someone believe in you as well. So just having that support of her there, educating myself around what's in it and um, how it affects my body you know learning alternative coping mechanisms like how certain activities can release the dopamine and the serotonin in our brains and you know that that kind of thing in the long term is a lot more healthier than than shooting up it's not as it's not as obvious but it's a lot a lot healthier and it's a better alternative in the long run so you mentioned the toll that it takes on on your body. Can you just just for people who you know may not necessarily know, what exactly does it do to your body, your long term use, or to you, to your brain, etc.? So to your body, it it's just like really corrosive. So a, a lot of my back teeth are missing; um, they just fall apart, and it's starting to go to the front teeth. Even now, after I've quit for seven years, it's still it's still affecting my teeth. So I wonder if it's affecting my bones. And I, I did um, some research and it does, it affects um, it, men who have used ice have a higher likelihood of having osteoporosis in their bones and men and women are, are more likely to have the arthritis and you're more likely to have a stroke or a heart attack as well. Yeah, it can affect your heart health. 
and your bone health and your teeth health. And as for your brain health, it definitely affects um, your mind. Um, as you can tell, like I'm a little bit, I'm hard. I, I struggle to stay focused in a conversation. Um, and I think that I'll always be like that. I think that's just a, a normal consequence. Yeah. So I think long term, it does affect your brain. So, Nicole, the Ballarat Courier had an article uh, about Australia being the third highest place for meth usage per capita. As someone who's sort of lived that lifestyle, is it something that you you could probably look back and say from your lived experience, yeah, I, I believe that to be to be true? Is that something you saw a lot of, um, you know, back a decade or so ago when you were in that world? Yeah, it's really easy to get. It's definitely a common thing. Like I've noticed that people who, who use ice, they tend to be, they probably are on other drugs as well, like they're on Oxy or is it MD or MS? I'm not sure which one. The opiate pills that you get from the doctor, um, they're on those as well. Or, you know, if they could get heroin, they would have that. So it said it tends to be people of all sorts of, of drug use tend to like ice. Yeah, and it tends to be yeah. as well. The ABC had an article uh, back in October about about uh, meth use, and it's a, it's as we know, and one of the reasons that I'm sure you started up the Raywheel project is that it's a big issue in regional Australia, and me- regional meth users in Victoria are, are twice as likely to be socially disadvantaged than people in the in the cities and that, that sort of speaks to what you were saying before about how when you started you were in a really dark place you're very alone you're very vulnerable is that also something you've seen a lot of with other people who either were meth users back in back in the day or other people that you might have spoken to who like yourself have been able to kick the habit yeah well i think i think society really looks looks down on on people who who use ice you know i hear a lot of people in society say they don't deserve to live. They, you know, not worth anything. Yeah. So in a regional area, I'd imagine that, you know, um, people know each other a lot better. You know, everyone knows everyone. So if you hear such and such is on ice, well, I'm not going to hang around them. You know, that's, that's generally what society is like. So I think, um, in the city, you can be more anonymous than in the country. So I think. And also in the city, there's a lot more um, options for help, like a lot more community centres and places where you can go, like groups and things. So, um, yeah, I'd, I think that they'd all add to that social disadvantage that people have in the rural areas. Yeah, and you, you mentioned about the abundance of services in the city and I guess bigger populations do get those those services and that that's sort of one of the drivers of you starting the railroad project, isn't it? Absolutely. There's not much available here. And, you know, I've, I've heard of people who would have to travel to either Torquay or Melbourne to get help if they, if they really want to seriously quit ice and, and have some sort of help for that. So I don't think that that's okay that you should have to travel two hours, two and a half hours and leave your family behind because some, for some people, the family in your home is your only support network and I don't think it's fair that you're torn away from them to get off a really difficult drug. I think that that's when you need your support network around you the most. And, okay, yeah, it would be really challenging if, um, say, I got a client and their partner was using and living in the home, but that client would still face that challenge if they went to Melbourne and went to rehab. They'd still have to come home 
and face that challenge and they're facing it alone, you know. So at least in my program, they're facing that challenge with help and support and they're not going to go home and, and all of a sudden have no support from us, you know. They're, they're going to be able to have that extra support even months after they quit if they like. Yeah, and from what you said before earlier about how, you know, you got into it and it was due to the, to the loneliness and isolation and, and then getting off it was, you know, in large part, thanks to the support from you, from your grandmother. So I think you're, you're onto to something there with, you know, local supports for local people is definitely a, a big thing that no matter what your, your, your issue is, be it addiction, uh, be it family violence, be it gambling issues, I think local supports are extremely important. And I think, it, you know, the Railroad Project sounds like it's, um, it's a really great idea. When, when you eventually got, got off ice, you said your grandmother helped a lot. How long did it take you from saying, from the moment you said, that's it, I'm not doing this anymore, to actually being able to, to go through a day and not even have to think, not even think about, you know, getting a hit or anything like that? How, how long was that and how hard was that? About a year. Yeah. It was about a year. Um, and it was really hard and I relapsed a few times before I was able to actually quit, which is normal. It's totally normal to, to relapse during that journey. You know, what's important is getting back up on your feet and learning from it and moving forward. But, yeah, it took about 12 months and, and it was really hard. But in time it gets easier, you know, like everything. And I still sometimes get cravings, but they're really easy to manage now and, and they're not as intense as they were when I was first trying to quit. But, yeah, when I was first trying to quit, I I do feel that some people might need medical help when trying to quit because withdrawing, is is, it can be quite difficult on the body. Yeah, again, that's why I've made um, contact with the drug and alcohol team at Grampians Community Health because I felt that um, having them on board would help with the withdrawal symptoms and and that because they are difficult. Yeah, I, I I couldn't imagine. Now, I, I bit of bit of behind the scenes stuff. I I don't know Nicole very well, but I, I do kind of know Nicole. I've seen her around a bit, and you've really since you since you've managed to, to you know beat this horrible addiction, you've gone on and done some pretty pretty amazing stuff, haven't you? In the last six or seven years. Yeah, I oh yeah, I did a diploma of community services after I quit. Um, I was really proud about that too. It took um a few years to do, but yeah, I'm really happy with my diploma of community services, and I'm um halfway through doing a, a bachelor of business. Um, but I think that will take me a long time to complete. That one's just hard with family and and time constraints. I think it's a really good story, Nicole, that you've been able to to say you know ten years ago you were in a really dark place, but the way you've been able to turn your life around is absolutely admirable, I think. And um, it takes a very strong person to do that. So you've got my congratulations, definitely. We might take a really short break and then we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the Rail Projects. So stick around. Community Zoom Name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health is your local community provider for a range of services across the Western District of Victoria, the Grampians Wimmera part of the state. We cover the Northern Grampians Shire Council, Arrow Rural City Council, 
Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmershire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Central Goldfields Shire and Southern Grampians Shire Council regions. And we provide services including alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including home care package case management, NDIS support coordination and plan management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, homelessness support, gamblers help support, community mental health support, and much, much more. For more information on the services available from Grampians Community Health, head to our website, gch.org.au, or contact us Monday to Friday business hours on 5358 You can also visit our offices in Horsham, Stall, and Ararat. Grampians Community Health is your local community provider, and we are here, of course, for you, your family, and our community and we are proud to bring you the Communities Our Middle Name podcast. Welcome back. I'm here with Nicole Palmer, who is the founder of the Raywheel Project Incorporated. So Nicole, as you heard before the break, herself is a recovered uh, ice addict and is looking to use her lived experience to help other people who are struggling with addiction or have struggled with addiction. Or we just spoke in the break, Nicole, about you're quite happy to or quite willing to work with families of, of users or, or addicts as well. Can you talk a little bit about yes. perhaps support or lack thereof that it, there is for family members and the stigma that might be attached to them as well? Yeah, well, I really want to be available to anyone who's affected by ICE. So even if someone isn't a user but they have a family member who is and they need support and someone to talk to about it, then they're most welcome to come along and and give me a call or, or whatever, reach out to me because, yeah, that's really hard and I don't want to turn people away. So they don't need referrals. They don't need any certain things to be able to access my support group or services all they need is to be affected by ice or needles pretty much so when you say support group would it be peer support groups how often would you run those stuff like that yep so um currently at the moment on offer we have a monday evening support group it is a peer support group um myself leading it that's what we're able to offer at the moment is that evening support group or one-on-one support yeah so so what sort of stuff would you would you do would, would you go to someone's house would you meet up somewhere you know yeah like somewhere for coffee yep. yep if they want if they feel comfortable with that whatever they want to do really if they want to meet at a park or um because I don't have an office yet so I can't really invite them along to my office um but yeah I'm happy to meet them wherever how much of an advantage would it be if you had a space of your own for people to drop in there, Nicole, do you think? It would be a huge advantage if I had a space of my own because then, you know, people who are curious about about it can just come in and ask questions and then I've got a place, an actual physical place that I can invite people to. Um, I might be able to hold it like an opening event and actually invite people in the community to come along because I think, you know, for clients to get on board, they they would like, to see a physical presence and to see where I am so that they might come on board. 
Yeah. 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 yeah I, I get what you're saying. When you, when you can actually see something physical, bricks and mortar, it makes it a lot more real, I think. Yes, it does. Yeah, so any, anyone out there who's listening who might be able to help Nicole with a with a space, a drop-in space perhaps for people who are struggling with these issues who might be looking to her for some support, get in touch with Nicole and we'll give you her uh, contact details a bit later on and I'll also include a link to the Raywheel Project Facebook page in the show notes. Nicole, for yourself, how important was that support Back in back in the day when when you were struggling with these issues, you, you mentioned your grandmother was a fantastic support. Did you have access to other support services? Were they a big support to you? And how much of a help were they for you um, in kicking ice for good? I didn't really access any other supports, um, as in any other organisations or anything. I didn't um, really act. I didn't. I was too afraid. Um, you know, I had children, so I was afraid that if I went to the wrong department, um, they might take my kids off me, which is an unnecessary fear because, you know, I know that no department is just going to do that randomly, willy-nilly, if you're asking for help. But I didn't know that then. I know that now. So, no, I didn't reach out for any um, professional support other than my doctor and that was just um, to do a, like a health check, a general health check. So something like like you're talking about offering now would have been immensely valuable to, to a person in your situation, you know, back 10 years ago, wouldn't it? I really think so because I know that there are people out there that don't have one person in their family that they can go to for help. They don't have that one person. You know, I was really lucky that I had my grandmother there who was super understanding and didn't judge me. Not everyone has that. Some families are really complicated. And, and um, so, you know, I want to offer to people pretty much what my grandma did for me, give that support, that belief in other people that you can do this and teach them the skills that I learned along the way, um, yeah. the coping mechanisms and, and the other things and, you know, help link them up with a doctor or, or a nurse if they need or, or help them with other things because I know that, Life is really complex and, and they might, you know, need help in other areas to be able to quit ice. So, you know, I'm willing to to look at that and, and try to offer that holistic approach. And if I can't help someone, then I'm willing to find someone who can help them, if that yeah. makes sense. So um, I, I would like to um, be able to offer referrals to doctors and nurses and things like that, but that will come in time. Yeah, I, and I absolutely makes it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Just sometimes the best thing you can do is have an have an ear to talk into, isn't it? Yeah, safe, <laughs> non judgmental space to to go. So, whereabouts would you? Well, currently you, you are you're offering personal supports and group supports um, every Monday. Uh, that's based in Arrow, is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, and and how far and wide of a catchment area of people do you think? You, you'd like to be supporting, you know, would you go to Stall, Horsham, sort of the wider Grampians Wimmera or, or, you know, in time, obviously? In time, absolutely, yeah. Currently, I'd like to focus more on the Ara area simply um, because at the moment I don't have the car that I'm able to um, drive around, so that makes it hard for me to get to Stall. Um, but um, I can always get the bus out there. Um, 
I, I, I'm sure I could find a way out there. So if there are people out that way in store who, who would like help, I would like to make that happen for them. Um, over the phone or even over Zoom, like we're doing this interview, Nicole, could even, for people as well, maybe an option just to have a, have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. And if people are looking for more information about the Rayworld project, where's the best place to go? What's the best way to get information? Um, well, they can give me a call if they like and just talk to me. Um, otherwise, I've got a Facebook page, um, the Rayworld Project, I think. Yeah, currently we don't have a website at the moment simply because we're quite low on funds and um, having a website costs money and we can't afford that at the moment. So um, as soon as we can, we'll have one up and running. Excellent. And if anyone wants to, any any businesses or any philanthropic sort of trust or anything are listening to this, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you to maybe donate, to help out, you know, just to, to help you help other people? Uh, would it just be a phone call, email? Yeah, yeah, phone call, email. Um, so yeah, they can contact me by email at raywheelproject at outlook.com. Nicole, what's, what's sort of your, your, your real take home message for anyone out there listening who perhaps has had some substance abuse issues? What, what would you say to them if they're listening now to help them perhaps get, get help, the help that, that you didn't get to help them come forward? Yeah, look, I'm just a normal person. I'm not part of the system. I'm not part of the government. And I'm just wanting to help. I'm, I'm just wanting to offer my, my support and my skills that I've learned along the way. And, you know, if, if whether or not you want to quit or just reduce usage, um, that's okay as well. Like we can work with that. And it's really up to, up to you how we go about everything, any activities. If, the, if you know, it's all going to be client-led. So you're going to be the one deciding what you do. I'm not going to be your boss. I'm just going to be suggestive and um, give you the, the skills and tools that I learned. And you can make up your own mind what you do with that. I just want people to be happy and healthy. And, and if I can help someone in their journey, then that would be awesome. Yeah. Nicole, I think it's really Really admirable what you're doing. Um, and like I said earlier, I think you've done a fantastic job coming from where you are to what you're doing now. And, and you mentioned you have kids. I, I, I know one of, one of your kids goes to school with one of my kids. She's a, a lovely kid. Uh, so I, I really hope that this takes off and I hope the Rayleigh Project is, is a huge success and goes from strength to strength and is just another string to the bow of, of helping people in our community. So, Thank you so very much for, for giving me some time this afternoon. I really appreciate you having a chat on the Communities and Name podcast. Thank you for having me. Once again, a big thank you to Nicole Palmer for joining us this week on the Community is Our Name podcast to share her story of her addiction to methamphetamine and also to to share about what she's trying to do with the Raywheel project and I really hope she can get it off the ground and I really hope that it becomes a success. Um, of course Grampians Community Health does offer drug and other alcohol support services as well including home-based withdrawal services so uh, for more information on that call our intake team 53587400 
The Community is a Middle Name podcast uh, is, as I said, brought to you by Grampians Community Health and Grampians Community Health Service, a wide range of areas across the Grampians and Greater Wimmera, Western Victoria region. More information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or follow us on Facebook. Go onto Facebook and search Grampians Community Health, or just type into your, into your browser there. Uh, www.facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health. We're also on Instagram and Twitter and our handles on both of those sites uh, at GCH Grampians. If you want to follow Nicole's Raywheel project, that's on Facebook as well. And it is uh, R-A-E-W-I-L-L, Raywheel. And if you want to email Nicole as well, Raywheel Project, all one word, at Outlook.com. This podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabberwung people, and we would like to, once again, pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging. The intro, outro music is by the one and only Andrew Parsons, and we use that original recording with his permission. You want to uh, like and subscribe to this podcast? Of course you can. You can do that on any number of podcast streaming sites. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, uh, Amazon, Google. Anywhere you find good podcasts, you'll find us. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, and you'd like to, to leave a review and, and maybe write a review, that would be awesome. And it does help people find the show. And that helps us get our message out there as well. And you know, hopefully a show like this can help people find the help that they might need. That's it. That's another week's worth of show done and dusted as we edge ever closer to Christmas. My name's Gareth Olver. I hope you guys took a bit out of that show. I, I really learned a lot. I will be back again very soon with another episode of the Community as a Middle Name podcast. And it's brought to you, of course, by Grampians Community Health. And we are here for you, your family, and most importantly, for our community. Because, like we say, community is a middle name and you can't spell Grampians Community Health for that community. I'll be back again very shortly. So long, everyone. Mm-hmm.